Welcome to the Grace Point Assembly of God podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit gphixon.com. Now let's get into a powerful message for your life from God's Word. Talk about in our message uh, today and probably going to be over the next couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about this. God just gave me the message title of uh, No Pain, No Gain. Now, it's not a real encouraging, uplifting word. I mean, you know, it's not one of those that everybody goes, woohoo, you know. Uh, but you've heard people often use that, that phrase who are exercising or maybe weightlifting. They, they say, you know, no pain, no gain, you know. And, uh, of course... Uh, when exercising, you just have to push through the pain sometimes to gain the endurance that you need, right? Uh, with weightlifting, you have to literally tear your muscles, okay? That's what it is, is when you tear your muscles and then they begin to repair themselves, that's when it brings about the strength and the building up of the muscle. That doesn't sound fun. I don't know. So you can probably see from my current physique that I have not endured much pain lately. However, (laughs) if I were to begin tomorrow, I would definitely have to endure some pain to get some gain. Amen? I mean, if I wanted to make this body in a different shape other than round... Amen? I'm just speaking the truth here. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to candy coat it. It's, it's the truth. If we don't have pain, we don't have gain. Well, we gain if, you know, but anyway, that's a whole other subject, okay? So we don't want to go there. So, but to do that, to, to be able to have the gain that I really should have in my life, to be able to do that, I have to decide I want to see some growth in my life. Then that growth will only come through change in my exercise and diet. Which would mean that I would have to give up something or suffer some loss. And that loss would definitely be painful. Therefore, I think you would agree that the following is definitely true. If you'll put up that uh, on the screen there. Growth equals change. Change equals loss. Loss equals pain. Thus, growth equals pain. If we're ever going to grow in our lives, we're going to have to have some pain. It's just part of life. It's just part of what we have to endure in this life. There is no way that you can get away from pain. Amen? I mean, it's, it's going to happen. The older we get, the more we understand that. You know, used to be after you exercised for a long time or did something, you know, then you were hurting. Now it's just waking up and getting out of bed. Amen. Okay, I can hear a lot of amens on that one. I mean, it's just getting up in the morning going, oh, oh, okay, yeah, all right, it's morning, yeah. 
Got to get it all stretched out back again, and then you know, then you're then you might be okay for a little while, until you do a little bit extra, and then you're hurting again. You know, it's just uh, it's just part of life. So I, I want to talk to you probably over these next couple of weeks about this: no pain, no gain. But but let me start by giving you some statements that I think are true, and then some biblical examples of how I believe these statements to be true. The first statement is this. The longer I avoid a problem, the bigger it generally gets or becomes. The longer I avoid it, the bigger it becomes. That's, it's, it's so true, isn't it? If, if I summon the courage, though, to endure small amounts of pain and do what's right early, I will avoid larger doses of pain later. So, since we have to endure pain anyway in this life, sometimes it's better to endure small amounts of it on a regular basis instead of having to endure a big one in the end. When I think about this statement, my mind first goes to the discipline of a child. When I think about this... If you consistently discipline a child as they grow, then you will avoid a major heartache in the future. Amen? Parents, isn't that true? You know, there's a principle found in God's Word, and it's in Proverbs 22.6 that says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, most of you are... Well, a lot of you are parents out here. And so all of you have probably used this statement when you were disciplining your kids. This is going to hurt me more than it is you. Of course, the kids don't believe that at all. But as a parent, you can believe it, can't you? Because it, it really does hurt you to have to apply discipline to your child that you love and you care about. You don't want to do that but you do it because you love them. Because if you don't administer small amounts of pain on a regular basis, then eventually they're going to have to endure a large amount of pain all of a sudden. Because they won't have the tools that they need. They won't have, you know, and parents, trust me, just because you do discipline well does not guarantee that they're going to follow after the Lord. That's why I say this is a principle in God's word to me it's not a promise it's a principle it's a principle that's there that tells me if I do my part if I train my child if I do the things in their in their life to help them then I give them the tools that they need to make the right choices in their life because ultimately their decision to follow after Christ is their decision I can't make them do that but I can sure give them every tool available to make that decision and to help them in guiding them in making the right choices in their life. And that's what this scripture is all about. Train them in the way that they should go. And when they're older, I keep hoping, praying that when they're older, they will follow after that. I believe that that my kids are following the discipline that I've given in their life. They thank me now sometimes for that taken a long time and now they thank me for it 
they had to forget some of the pain, and now they realize, you know, hey, I, yeah, I see what you did there, Dad. I understand now why you did that. But sometimes we, we don't understand when we're in the middle of it, do we? The thing is, if we avoid discipline when they are young, we can almost guarantee a bad result when they're old. And there's, a, there's a, an example in Scripture that I could go back to and in 1 Samuel chapter 2, if you'll turn back there with me, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12 is where we're going to start. And we're going to kind of skip down through the chapter there. But in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. Oh my. I don't ever want to have a statement like that made about me and my kids. Amen? It says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Now Eli was the priest. He was the high priest. He was the one who was to direct Israel and to... He was in the line of Aaron. And yet, it says his sons were worthless men who did not know the Lord. Now, it goes on in verse 13 and talks about his sons. It says, The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. And he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did in, at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Now, this is an explanation of what the priests were supposed to get. This was their, their portion. They were supposed to take this three-pronged hook uh, or fork and stick it into the pot. And whatever they brought out, that was for them to eat. That was their portion. And God had established this. And that's how it was supposed to work. But Eli's sons were so bad that as we go on here, it says, Moreover, in verse 15, Before the fat was burned, the priest's servants would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. He wanted to have a grill out. Seriously, I mean, that's what he's saying. He said, I want my steak to be able to put on the grill. I, I don't want it boiled. Uh, you know, boiling takes the flavor out of it. It doesn't give it, you know, I want, I want to throw my steaks on the grill. Amen? All right. And if the man said to him, let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now. And if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Now jump down to verse 22. It says, Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. 
But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Then jump down to verse 27. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? And honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves by the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your fathers should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out to grieve his heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Listen, the longer you avoid a problem, the bigger it generally becomes. If you summon the courage to endure small amounts of pain and do what's right early, then you will avoid larger doses of pain later. I believe Eli was one who did not endure the small amounts of pain with his children when they were young. He let them do whatever they wanted to do. It's much like I see in our society today. Now, not everyone, but for a large portion of our society today, discipline has gone out the window. Discipline is not bad if it's done properly and with consistency. It is good for the child. I don't care what psychologists want to say. The Word of God says, spare the rod, spoil the child. That doesn't mean you beat your children. It doesn't mean that you abuse them. It doesn't mean that you do that, but you discipline them in love. And when you lovingly discipline your children on a consistent basis, they won't turn out like Hophni and Phinehas. They won't turn out like these sons who just had their own desires and their own ways and they were going to do their own thing and they just didn't care. Now, sometimes, you know, there are kids that will make those decisions. But most of the time, 
they're going to follow after what is right and they'll know it in their heart because you've spent the time to discipline them and to train them. If I would have maintained a life of consistent exercise and proper diet all my life, it wouldn't be such a difficult proposition for me to start doing it now. Amen? If I started tomorrow, I, I will have to endure a lot of pain to see the gain that I need to have in my life. But we can all start now. Amen? We can start doing what's right now. And if we will do that, then God will help us. If we endure the pain, but we got to endure the pain to get the gain. Now let me take you to the second phrase here that I, I see. Pain is a part of progress. Anything that grows experiences some pain. If I avoid all pain, I'm avoiding growth. Okay? Now, now let, me, let me just tell you a little bit about this as far as I, I like to go back to plants and I grew up in a farming household, and so I grew up around a lot of the, the things with farming. And so let, let me just talk to you for just a second about fruit trees and, 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 and grapevines. Okay? I looked up and had a, uh, I downloaded just this, this portion that talks about the grapevine, and it says that the dormant pruning is a critical component of the grape production system. Because of the way grapevines grow and produce fruit, growers must prune annually. Now, pruning means that you cut off something, okay? It means you go in there and you clip it away and you, you tear back some things. Fruit is only produced on shoots growing from one-year-old canes. Okay, fruit doesn't grow on the old ones. It only grows on the new ones. Therefore, healthy new canes must be produced every year to maintain annual production of fruit. It's just a part of the, the process. If, if you don't have a little bit of pain of pruning away some of those little branches on the, on the grapevines, now you can't take it all away. That will destroy it. But you cut back some of them and you get them opened up and, you, and it's so that there's airflow, it's so that there's sunlight, it's so that all these things come in and then that new growth begins to come and it produces the fruit. So there has to be some pain to get some gain. Now the same thing is true with uh, fruit trees. Fruit trees are, are different from your average shade tree in that they need to be pruned every year to improve fruit quality. Pruning fruit trees is a necessary chore that improves sunlight penetration and increase air movement through the tree. Pruning also develops the structure of the tree so that it can support the crop load. You see, it's so important that there is this pruning process in order to produce fruit. Now, I think Jesus said something about this, didn't he? He said it in John 15, 1 and 2. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Pruning hurts. It hurts. I mean, I'm sure that vine is going, don't cut on me. It's not fun at the time, but it is necessary if the vine or the tree is to produce fruit. Now, we are all called to produce fruit. Amen? That's what Jesus set us here on this earth. That's why he, he saved us and has left us here. Right? And so we can produce fruit. So if we're going to produce fruit, then we've got to have a little pruning and a little pain in our lives on a regular basis. It can't be just one time because if we only have it one time, then all of a sudden we have old branches that are growing that don't produce any fruit. We have to have a consistent pruning, a consistent revitalizing in our lives. Amen? Because the pruning produces new growth. Hebrews 12, 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You see, that's what we go through pain for. We must endure pain if we are to grow. It's just part of the process, folks. Sometimes I, I, I get so upset with the faith movement because they went too far. I have faith. I believe in God. I, I can trust Him for my healing. I can trust Him for many things. But there's also an element where they say that if you're really following after God, then you're not going to have any pain in your life. And that's not scriptural. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you will, once you get saved, you'll never have any pain anymore. If we are to bear fruits of righteousness and holiness in our lives, then we have to discipline this flesh. And disciplining is painful, it hurts. So we must allow the Lord to discipline us. The pruning process is painful to the plant, or in our case, the person, but it is necessary. Without the pruning, our faith will not grow properly. It won't. We won't produce the faith, I mean the fruit that we need to in our lives. It will be hidden away within the branches that should have been removed. And we're not. If, if we are not being pruned on a regular basis, then the main trunk, our main faith support is not growing like it should. Because it takes that pruning to develop that strength of the core of our faith. That even in the middle of pain, I trust you, Lord. Even in the middle of all this mess I'm going through, I trust you, Lord. Now tell me that doesn't strengthen the main core, the main trunk of your belief. We must endure pain if we're going to produce fruit. It's just part of the process. Now let me give you another statement today. Often the difference between where I am and where God wants me to be 
is the pain I'm unwilling to endure. The difference between where I am and where God really wants me to be is that pain that I'm unwilling to endure. Doing what's right, no matter how difficult, is a rare trait in people. Can you say amen? Doing what's right, no matter how difficult, is a rare trait in people. Most choose easy. But we must choose right over easy. If we're going to see the growth that we need in our life, if we're going to produce the fruit that God wants us to, we have got to choose right over easy every time. When I think about this statement, I, I think about the life of Joseph. He is, he is my, my biggest Old Testament hero, is Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, it says, Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Joseph had a dream when he was a young man. He knew that God had a plan for his life. He knew that God had something special for him. He didn't know exactly what. He had had this dream and he had another dream that was much like it. And he went from those dreams and knew that God had a plan for his life. There was something that he was going to have to do that was special. But Joseph had to endure a lot of pain before he got to where God wanted him to be. And Joseph had to endure more pain than most of us would ever want to endure. You see, right after this, Joseph's brothers plotted against him, threw him in a pit, and then sold him into slavery. His own brothers told his dad that he had been killed by a wild animal. Betrayed, forsaken, sold into slavery, gone into a foreign land that he didn't know, didn't think he'd ever see his family ever again. And yet Joseph had a dream. Then he went to Potiphar's house, a man who was a prominent man and had a lot of land and a lot of property, and, and he, he put Joseph in charge of everything he had. But yet Potiphar's wife came and tried to seduce him. And when he wouldn't submit to her seduction, she lied about him, told him, told her husband that Joseph had tried to rape her. And so Potiphar had him thrown into prison. But Joseph had a dream. He knew God had something for him. He knew he was going to have to go through some pain. And man, I'm telling you what, I, I don't know how he endured it. 
to, to have your brothers turn on you and throw you in a pit and then sell you into slavery and then go to a Potiphar's house and work for a man and give him all that you've got and give him everything, every ounce of your being to this man and then to have his wife turn on you and accuse you of something you didn't do and put you in prison. I don't know about you, but I think at that point I'd been going, God, you really have, you really have a dream for me? This hurts. Well, then in prison, Joseph once again had a right heart and a right attitude, and he rose to a place where the jailer put him in charge of all the other prisoners. And he worked in that jail and served and did everything that he could and kept a right attitude. And because of that, he met some friends, and those friends were close to the, to the king, to the pharaoh. And they... They got released. And he told them, he said, when you get released, remember me. What'd they do? They forgot him. They forgot about him. Left him there. Left him in prison. And I, I can't even imagine now, I mean, after the betrayal of his brothers and the betrayal of his employer and the betrayal of, of everybody he had ever met, everybody in his life had betrayed him. And yet, Joseph had a dream. Because of that dream, because God gave him that dream, because God had a plan for his life, and Joseph remained with the right heart attitude, one day, all of a sudden, that friend remembered Joseph and mentioned him to the king. And the king brought him in. And Joseph interpreted a dream for the king. And because of that, he became a prince. He went to the palace. and became number two. The whole country. Man, the pain that sometimes we endure, we think, oh, I can't go through anymore. I've endured all that I can endure. I've, this is too much, God. You give me more than I can handle. I think about Joseph. I think, you know what, I haven't, I haven't been thrown in a pit. I haven't been sold into slavery. I haven't been wrongly accused and put into prison. I haven't been forgotten while I was in prison. I, I mean, I haven't had to go through all these things. So God, if you've got a plan for my life, I still believe. I still believe. I still believe. And I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep pressing on no matter how much the pain is. And sometimes we may think, well, it's just not right, God. I, I serve you with all my heart. I've given everything to you. I don't deserve this. Folks, we're not God. And if he has a plan, it's a good plan. And sometimes that plan means we have to endure pain to get there. But when we get there, it's a great plan. Because that plan that God had for Joseph, not only brought him up, his whole family, the whole nation of Israel was delivered because Joseph was willing to endure the pain to get to where God wanted him to be. God wants us to endure the pain to get us where he wants us to be. We, we have to. We have to endure it. Because too often, people give up 
when they're in the middle of the pain and they fall short of what God has called them to be and to do. Let me give you one more this morning, one more statement here. Remember, often the difference between, well, I'm, I'm just repeating myself there, I'm sorry. Let me, let, me, let me go to the next statement, I apologize. God is always faithful. That's, 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 the, that's the last one there. God is always faithful. Even when life is hard, God is always working for our good. Pain teaches us to depend on Him. Amen? It purifies our motives. Wow. It purifies our motives. Sometimes my motives are not right. I may be doing the right things, but my motives aren't right. And it takes a little pain and a little pressure put on me to get me to have the right motive. The right heart intent for what he's called me to do. And it keeps us humble and moves us to pray. Pain moves us to pray. Or it should. Instead of complain. Bottom line is this. Life is hard and full of trials and tribulations. But you have to remember this, this one scripture that I read almost every time I do a funeral service because it's so important. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We're going to have tribulation. He didn't say, you know, once you get saved, you're not going to have tribulation. He says, in the world you will have tribulation. Trials are going to come. Pain is going to happen. It's going to be there. But here's the thing. Take heart. I overcame the world. It's not going to last forever. The pain lasts for a day, for a moment. But my peace will last for eternity. We have to remember that this pain is but just for a moment compared to eternity and all that He has planned for us. We also know the scripture in Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. We need to remember that when we're in the middle of the pain that everything that God is doing in my life works together for good. It may not look like it right now. It may be painful. It may hurt. But it's for your good. It's for you that God is allowing you to go through that so that you can get where you need to be. The normal human response to pain is to do anything except face it. We minimize the problem. We say, oh, it's really not that bad. Or we excuse those who have hurt us. We, we say, she didn't really mean that. Or we deny it even happened. What do you mean? What conflicts? What's, what's, no, I don't, I don't see anything. We get into denial. 
But we have to face our pain. We have to face it not on our own, but in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit working in us in our lives. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit to work in us, to be that comforter, that helper. Because He knew we were going to endure pain. We were going to have suffering. We were going to have times of loss. We're going to have times of sorrow. And He sent His Holy Spirit to be there with us, to help us through. I, I just, I don't understand how people can go through this life with all the pain that they have to endure without Christ. Without the power, without that knowledge that God is with me. I couldn't endure all that I endure. statement that Charles Kingsley said. He said, pain is no evil unless it conquers us. Pain is no evil unless it conquers us. Unless we give in to it. Unless we just lay down and just, just give up. It's not evil unless it causes us to give up on God. Amen? Pain isn't the enemy. The inability or unwillingness to face pain is a far greater danger. So we just have to face it. Pain is actually needed in our lives just to exist. And, and let me just give you one illustration here just to help you to understand that. And it, Leprosy is not something that we are real, really familiar with in our, in our country, but is very common in third world nations. Lepers very often are missing noses, ears, fingers, toes, uh, but not because their flesh rots away. That's, that's, a, that's a common misconception. The real reason is because various parts of their body become severely damaged because they don't sense the warning signs of pain in their body. Parts of their body all of a sudden don't sense any pain. So when they put it against a hot pot that's boiling, they don't realize it. And it starts to eat away their flesh because it burns them severely because they don't feel it. Leprosy is, is one of those things that, that causes you not to feel pain in the places where it is. And I'm reading a book right now that he gave this illustration. He, he called it, you know, the chapter was basically spiritual leprosy. So many times we get to a place where we have this inability to even sense the pain anymore. The inability to sense the pain. We don't know to pull our hand back from the flame because... We, we've just become desensitized. Without pain, we would not go to the doctor. Most all of us would not go. Some like to go to the doctor. Most of us do not like going to the doctor at all, ever. And so if we're not in pain, severe pain, we're not going to go. Without pain, we would not get up and move from time to time, producing circulation in our, in our extremities, keeping us from getting bed sores. We, we just wouldn't even move sometimes if it weren't for the pain. 
as the older you get, the more you understand that. Once again. Blisters tell us it is time to stop walking in shoes that don't fit right. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, pain moves us to do what we should do. Without it, we don't know that something is wrong. So we have to have that pain when we, when we become leprous and when we, we get to a place where we don't even realize that you know we're, we're putting our hand in something that shouldn't be or we're, we're putting our feet in something that, that is burning our feet. We don't realize the pain. But when we have the pain and it hits, many times our reaction is to hide from the pain. But I believe God wants us to just face the pain. Not in our own strength, but in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And say, God, help me to go through this. Help me to endure this pain to get where you want me to go. That's what God wants is us to get to the place where he wants us. And sometimes it's going through the pain to get us there. We have to endure the pain. When we ignore pain in our lives, we develop a voluntary leprosy. And this may promise short-term gain by avoiding discomfort, but it has devastating long-term consequences. Christians have more difficulty handling personal pain than unbelievers sometimes, I think. They look at the promises of God and conclude that God should fill their lives with joy, love, support, and success. And that's reading the Bible selectively. The scriptures state clearly and often that enduring pain is one of the ways, perhaps the main way, that God works His grace deeply into our lives. Joshua, if you would go ahead and come on up today as we get ready to conclude the service. I don't even know exactly how to conclude this today, but I can tell you that this message, this that I'm sharing with you, is coming out of my personal experience. I've been enduring some pain lately. And I know that it's God working. And I know that it's God taking me to some place where I need to be. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's just hard, folks. I don't want to have to go through the pain, but I know that I've got to go through the pain to get to where God wants me to be. There's a new level. There's a new place. There's there's something more that He has for my life. And so I endure it. I'm not successful every day. I know that's a surprise, you know. Pastors are supposed to always be on top of everything, right? But this one thing I know is this, that God is always with me. As long as I keep my face looking toward Him and saying, God, this is painful, this hurts, this is is hard, I don't understand it, I don't know why I'm here, but God, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay with you right in the middle of this. I'm not going to let go. He's going to bring me through. You may be in that place today. You may be in that spot where you're going, God, 
it's more than I can handle. It's more than, it's more than I deserve. That may be true. I don't know. But I do know this. That God's right there in the middle of it with you. And if you'll just look to Him, He'll bring you through the pain. And He'll bring the growth that's needed in your life. And He'll bring you to that place where you're producing the fruit that is abundant. Because He's got a plan for your life. Every one of you. He has a dream for you and for your life. And if you don't give up, He never will. He'll fulfill it. Just as He did with Joseph. Just as He did with so many. He never gave up on them. Never gave up. That's what I love about the Old Testament. is seeing how God never gave up on people. As the as that trailer for the book of Judges said, you know, all of them were broken saviors. Every one of them, every one of those judges that were the rulers of Israel, they were all broken. They all made mistakes. They all messed up. But God used them. God will use you. It doesn't matter if you've messed up. Today's a new day. It's always a new time with God. You got to remember no pain, no gain. But He wants to bring that gain in your life today. Let's all stand to our feet for just a few moments. I want to just ask a few questions. Nobody's looking around right now, but just, just a couple questions here. First of all, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and come to be that friend and that that one who carries you through the pain, then today I want to invite you to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, as your helper in time of need. All He asks is that we say, God, I messed up. I've sinned in my life. I've failed, and I need a Savior. Help me. And He'll come in and He'll forgive you of your sin and give you a new life. If that's you today and you know I, I need to pray that prayer, or maybe you did it before, but you know today I need to make that commitment again. I need to make a true commitment to follow after Jesus Christ with all of my heart. If that's you today, I just want you to lift up your hand because I want to have prayer with you today. If you just lift up your hand and let me pray with you. don't see anyone raising their hand right now but I encourage you if you're here today and you haven't made that commitment all you have to do is just say God I know I'm a sinner forgive me come into my life cleanse me and make me right and he'll do it but for all the rest of us that are here today you may be going through some pain in your life if you're in that place of, of just pain and you're, you're struggling and you don't know whether you're going to be able to make it through and you just don't know what the answer is and you're, you're trying but you're just struggling right now and you just want somebody to pray with you, I want to open up these altars for you to come and be prayed for. 
I'm going to ask our ministry leaders to come and just stand up here at the front. And, and I'm going to encourage you to just come up and just pray with someone. Let someone just pray with you and help you through what you're going through today. That pain may be, may be overwhelming sometimes, but God is able to help you. And know that it's for your good. It's not for anything to harm you, but it is for your good that He is doing it. And He wants you to just come and ask for prayer to help you to make it through, to get through the pain, to get to what He has called you to do now. So don't hesitate. Make your way forward at this time. prayer this morning. I want you to come. I want you to come. Roger and Shirley. Roger and Shirley. Come on, we come up here. Some others want to come and pray. Pray with you. hesitate to come receive that today but right you can do it right there where you're sitting you can right where you're standing and just just get along with God and just ask him to help you right now in the middle of your pain in the middle of all that you're enduring to be able to give you the strength to help you to stand God to help you to hold on to the Holy Spirit's moving in your life and to realize this pain isn't for your harm but it is for your good and it's going to get, cause growth in you like never before if you'll just endure it Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. listening. We hope you'll tune in next week for another great sermon from Grace Point Assembly of God.